1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and, Herb. Tanny and Herb.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. I am Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday evening?
1: I'm doing fine, and it's episode 65, Herbie. Episode 65 of Locked On White Sox, we're giving out our our grades our postseason grades uh, for the starting nine the final nine guys for the season and uh, episode 65 who wore the number 65 for the White sox a couple of all-time bullpen guys here for the White mm-hmm. sox um, Cody Hoyer obviously wore it this year did a very nice job one of the one of the bright spots many bright spots of the season was Cody's efforts out of the bullpen but uh, okay all right. There was a guy here also before we get we, – we, we we have to – one thing we, we've learned about Locked on White Sox is you, you check out the episodes long enough and you listen every day and you find out that inevitably there is a member of the 2005 White Sox who none of us remember <laughs> at all doing anything. And who wore number 65 for the 2005 Sox, which would normally would be the tiebreaker here. Of course, it's David Sanders. <laughs> Herb, go ahead, regale me with your David Sanders memories. Whenever, go ahead, just f- feel free.
0: I mean, I don't think David Sanders' mom knows who the fuck he is. This, what the fuck? I don't like who. <laughs> average name, below average game, just just terrible. I don't, I don't remember. He threw left-handed. That's all I'm looking on his thing. Okay, he threw left-handed. He pitched in 2003 for the White Sox and 2005. He was terrible in both years. Two games in 2005 for the 13 ERA. But right now, David Sanders is laughing at all of us because he has a World Series ring.
1: Absolutely. And uh, boy, talk about, uh, you know, never knowing what you're going to get day in and day out from David Sanders in 05. September 2nd, 2005, uh, one inning pitch, uh, gives up one hit, but no runs allowed. And then eight days later, September 10th against the Angels, uh, he pitches one inning. Two hits, three runs, all of them earned. Uh, good for a thirteen five zero earned run average. But he still gets a ring, um, and people probably think that he stole it off someone, or he got it at a pawn shop. Maybe he, people thought he bought Jose Vizcaino's ring at a pawn shop if they see him out at events. But yeah, David Sanders, uh, number sixty five and 05. But of course, you know you have two all time great White Sox guys in the bullpen. Of course, mm-hmm. the great guy who you talked to, I think, relatively recently, in uh, mm-hmm. which is Kelly Wunsch uh, from 2000 to 2004. Did you have any, a chance to talk to Kelly at all? I know you had him on Lawrence's show, right?
0: Yeah, I uh, booked him for the show because I was like, we're in the pandemic or like just finding people who are good at talking. And I remember one of the good things about Kelly, besides being a good lefty, Lugie back in the day, is that. Um, Jesse Rogers used to have him on the score all the time, like all the time. Before Tom LaStella, there was Telly Watch. He was the <laughs> original Jesse Rogers guy and awesome talker. And I had seen him on Twitter, you know, just talking in general about society and what's going on with baseball and how the, if they're going to get back in time. And so I talked to him, he runs like a construction company or build houses and such. And he had a great interview with him and Lawrence. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed him. He's one of the most thoughtful, smart guys. He got out of baseball early because, you know, after a while he wasn't doing the job. And then turned his career around to uh, building houses, I think, down there in Texas, his home, co- his home state.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, one of the great uh, loogies of our time. That's one of the things that we didn't have uh, this year is the one-out guy.
0: In 2000, Tanny, and he was part of the 2000 team. Do you know how many appearances he had?
1: Did he have eighty three?
0: Yes, that's awesome. Eighty three—that's a lot.
1: <laughs> it, it really is that he was—he—he—he walks so Jimmy Cordero can run. Really, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Eighty three appearances
0: in one sixty-two. Who was the manager? Oh, is that Jerry, Jerry. Manuel?
1: Jerry, yeah.
0: Jesus Christ, Jerry Manuel. I yeah. know it's sometimes just one batter, but God damn.
1: <laughs> Hawk loved him some <laughs> Kelly Wunsch. I remember that. Uh, another 65 here, a guy who I thought would be, oh, this guy's going to be the closer. He's going to be in the back of your bu- end of your bullpen when the Sox are good again. Uh, but they never got good again around him. And he, he pitched for the Reds this year, uh, I, I believe. Uh, yeah, he pitched a lot of games for the Reds this year, 21 games uh in 2020 uh it was of course nate jones nate jones wore number 65 oh. <laughs> nate jones <laughs> uh famously he would give out his phone number uh, before he made an appearance um but yeah this is a guy who hurt a lot never reached his potential and i thought this was a guy that's gonna have great su- great success uh after being traded somewhere but that never happened either uh you know but Nate Jones also wear number sixty-five, so we have, we have a decision to make here. I think it's a slam dunk. Kelly Wunsch, there's no no arguments here, right?
0: Are you gonna go with Kelly Wunsch? I mean, Kelly so. Wunsch was was top five in AL Rookie of the Year voting in two thousand. So, oh, of course, yeah. I mean, even though. Even though our guy, Nate Jones, was the longest tenured White Sox during his career that got taken over, as you heard two days ago, by the great uh, Larry Garcia, who was the current uh, leader in that category. But yeah, Kelly Wunsch works for me. Number 65 for Kelly Wunsch.
1: Absolutely. All right, we got some grades to give out. You guys have been uh, been sweating the starting nine. They've been they've been really nervous about this. Before we get started here with the grades, locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Let me tell you something folks, if you're on a diet or just looking to watch your weight or just looking to Get more protein in your daily life. Look no further than Built Bar. The improved Built Bar is somehow even delicious-er. Built Bar has six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon, almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They are healthy. They're great if you're a health-conscious person on the go. It's great for losing or maintaining weight while still indulging in one of those sweet, delicious treats that... I happen to love so much I keep built bars in the drawer at work so around 3 o'clock whenever you get that sluggish feeling And you need a little pick-me-up with some protein and a little bit of chocolate To get you through the rest of the workday. They're right there for me right there at my fingertips Of course, they still have those 12 original flavors that you know and love so much me personally big fan of the german chocolate The mint brownie and of course peanut butter brownie built bars are always 100% covered in chocolate soft and easy to chew that peanut butter one by the way great after doing a lot of work around the house 19 grams of protein Only 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. Pretty good, huh? And right now, Built Bar is offering a special promotion to our Locked On White Sox listeners. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, and we're back here and we've got the final nine position players for the White Sox. We're handing out grades for their performance in 2020. Oh, uh, this one here. Uh he was your starting mm. he was your starting DH for the White Sox this year in 181 plate appearances. Hit 157 with a 250 on base percentage. He slugged 377. Good for a six two seven OPS. He was your big ticket free agent. DH in the offseason, a guy I was very excited about, Edwin Encarnacion, a negative .3 win above replacement.
0: I don't know what it is. there. We bring in DHs every year, and they always seem to fail. Um, Edwin had a streak of, I believe, eight seasons in a row of hitting 30 home runs or more in a season, and that was, of course, broken because of the short season. But I was going to give him a break and say, if you did it this year, I would prorate <laughs> that, and I think the breakdown was going to be 12 home runs. And he only yeah, hit 10, 10 this 10, year. 10, yes. And, yeah, and he only hit 10 this year. So I think that I hate to do it to the man. I'm going to give him a D. I'm not going to fail him because it's a, it's a tough job. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? No, no, I'm gonna fail. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna fail because his only job is to hit, (laughs) and he did not do that at all. Like, he was bad, completely bad at both of those things. (laughs) Didn't put the bad on the ball at all. And um, (laughs) the only saving grace he would get you a couple walks or run into a pitch and hit by pitch and get you on base <laughs> that way. But Listen. otherwise he was just horrid the whole year. <laughs> I think the White Sox are going to decline the option yes. next year and start over and get another guy that's maybe a little bit better. Michael Brantley comes to mind, and if we're going to get that to, in our future episodes, oh, but yeah, uh, we love will. that.
1: We will. Uh, yeah, I give him an F. I can't believe like I, I, when you when you said D, I, I was like, really? Uh, as you started talking about how hard his job was, and then you started to realize how easy his job was, and uh, you know, like I 37 years old, he'll be 38 next year. It's I would love to say that. Oh yeah, I could see him him latching on somewhere else and getting back to his power hitting ways. But the bat looks slow, man. Like I, I, I thought he was going to be a force after summer camp. And, you know, he, he had some home runs early, but it just fell off the off the table, man. And you hate to see it. It's one of my favorite hitters to watch over the past, you know, however many 10 years or so. Uh, the parrot gets an A because the parrot couldn't control uh, what Edwin was doing. But, uh, yeah, Edwin with an F, man. When you come in just to hit home runs and get on base – and and fortify the lineup, and you don't do that one thing you're asked to do. I I can't I I can't give you anything higher than than an F. Uh, I think it'll be Andrew Vaughn uh, in 2021 though. Uh, moving on, another guy who got a, caught a lot of ire this year. 0.2 wins above replacement in 42 games. He missed the beginning of the season with uh, with illness. Uh, you know, eventually they said it was COVID. I guess uh, 149 plate appearances. He hit the one home run. Oh, you can't even pick a favorite, but it was a great one in Cincinnati. We remember it finally. He hit 228 for a 295 on base percentage. He slugged 294. Good for a 589 OPS. We're talking about the big ticket right fielder, the big trade they made to kick off the winter meetings, Nomar Mazzara.
0: I'm going to give Nomar an F. <laughs> an F because of all the reasons he had there. He was a 20-home-run guy every year with the Texas Rangers. Pro-rate that all you want. One home run is not going to pro-rate into 20 for 162. <laughs> um, and you might say, well, he just ran into bad luck. He was just hitting the ball hard, and his Bobbit must be, like, in the ones. No, it's 330. So, so he was getting hits. I mean, he was getting bad luck, and he only hit 228 and the power wasn't there the reason why he's out there is for his power his fielding was fine negligible it didn't hurt us it didn't help us but yeah at f this is a swing and a miss for rick Quinteria. his free agent um offensive acquisitions this past year not great not great at all nomar and edwin big time s for me
1: you know um I think I'm going to go on ahead, and uh, I I don't I can't give him a C for his postseason Ooh, performance. You were going that far. Well, I was thinking dead. about postseason. He did a lot of extra credit. We said that the uh, postseason yes, performance couldn't couldn't take away from your grade, but it would add substantially to your to your grade. But I, I don't know if it's worth a two grade letter grade jump just because of his postseason nope. performance. So I gotta give him a D. Uh, but I will say that was one of the things that Rick Renteria did well all year long was keeping him involved when it, when you could have lost him. You could have lost him and You know, in the postseason got nothing out of him, but Rick Renteria kept plugging him in there every day and kept an environment where he felt comfortable and comfortable enough to to make a difference in the postseason. So I think that was one of the few things that Rick Renteria did well. I shouldn't say a few things. That's not fair. I'll I'll say that's one of the things that Rick Renteria did to help prop up Rick Hahn's bad acquisition of keep rolling them out there and just hope for the best. You know, I don't know if that's too much of a of, of a strategy, but you know Rick Renteria, a guy who played the game knows that, you know, you got to you can't just sit a guy, you know, for for days on end or else you, you might lose him, but they kept him around long enough where he did get some big hits here or there, but ultimately just incredibly underwhelming and uh, it's the it's the most glaring uh weakness next to the third spot in the rotation in in 2021 is Nomar Mazzara and right field. So I, I give him a D uh, in terms of what you gave up to get them. Uh, you know, not a, a bad acquisition, but you know what, when, when you have a lineup this deep, now we're playing by different rules. So you, you can't have that out there. So Nomar, sorry, buddy, but you get the D um, moving on here. 2020 white Sox grades, uh, Luis Roberts, one and a half win above replacement in 227 plate appearances. Um, he hit 233 for a 302 OBP. Uh, wow, these numbers really got better uh, in that last week. A 436 slugging, uh, good for a 738 OPS. He hit uh, 11 homers this year uh, with eight doubles. And uh, yeah, Luis Robert played at a dynamite center field for the White Sox in his rookie campaign. 1.5 wins above replacement, Luis Robert.
0: I'm surprisingly going to give Luis Robert a C. Plus. The reason being is that. He was lost for a long, long time and people were like, Well, he's only a rookie. I folks, we're not grading on he his years, we're grading on the whole team. You know, if we look at people, this guy is a A, this guy's a C, this guy's an F. I would give him a C plus. He impressed early. I would have easily gave him a A for his defensive exploits, his base running, his hitting that happened in that first month, month plus. But then they were adjusted to him and he failed to readjust to the players uh, or the pitchers who were doing damage to him. And he went on a long slump. But then eventually, at the end of the year, got his bat right in the playoffs. Looks like Luis Robert again. That home run, delicious. Man, <laughs> still feel great about that home run. It makes it, makes it like, you know, shivers up my spine when I just think about that home run. Uh, he was just like so insulted that you would actually bring. Uh, Mike Fires, I first him. <laughs> it's like this, what wor- word? You might as well bring a better lefty instead of this garbage. And yeah, murdered that bitch. He had a bad desire. Oh,
1: yeah. He had a bad desire. Whoa, whoa, whoa he's Mike Fires. Uh, yeah, go- yeah. So, yeah, continue. <laughs> no, Huda. that
0: was it. C plus. Um, I wish it could be better. C plus is. Yeah, I. I'm not grading on being a rookie. I'm grading on being being a White just, Sox. Just a performance. the performance. White Sox, He was. He was just a regular dude.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'd love to agree with you, but they're, you know, this, they didn't play the season in a vacuum. Um, uh, this, I, I tend to err on the side of, of human compassion, unlike yourself. But Luis Robert is a guy coming into this season had the the expectations of the big contract without playing a game, and you have a guy relatively new to the country. Coming over in a pandemic and trying to to acclimate himself to Major League Baseball life. So I will weigh that into my decision here, and I will add the postseason extra credit points. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to give him a solid B, uh, mainly because of that center field that he played. And he he had some bad moments out there, but I think uh, by and large, he kept – Eloy safe, uh, but he can't run the bases for Eloy, um, which we'll get to in a second. But he kept he, he he patrolled that center field like a boss out there, and certainly had a, a a lot of flash plays out there and gave you a lot of excitement for the future. But I think still all those factors weighed in. I think it's a solid B. He could have easily finished with an A, and you know that, that he looked really bad and really overmatched and lost. For a, a large chunk of that season, but he finished strong, so that means a lot to me as well. So solid B, I think, for Luis Roberts. Um, you think he's going to win Rookie of the Year? By the way, no, not close. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, moving on, this guy had a great year. A one point seven wins above replacement in two hundred and twenty six plate appearances. He stocked fourteen homers. Uh, he hit two ninety six for a three thirty two OBP, slugging five fifty nine, good for an eight ninety one. OPS, he's our left fielder. Wish we would have had him for all three games in that Oakland series. Eloy Jimenez,
0: I'm gonna give Eloy a solid A. Um, Mm -hmm. the reason why A to me blunders like the blunder that happened versus Detroit, uh, then Mm -hmm. getting caught up in the net. Don't forget Milwaukee, Milwaukee.
1: yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. So, you know, those are isolated incidents, getting himself hurt. Not because of his goofiness, just because he's just bad at fielding. Um, I, otherwise, he would get an A+. plus. Um, but those things mark you off. And the fact that the kid was hurt and wanted to play at every one of those games and finally got himself into game three and knows he can hit, so he did. And then he's like, you know what? I can't go any further because I'm still hurt. That shows me a lot. So instead of like a B plus or B for the the miscues that postseason performance, where he's gutting it out, giving the White Sox a chance to win with his uh, bat because he knows his bat is deadly. I'm looking forward to a lot of great years with Eloy Jimenez. He's a, he's a champion. I just think that you know he's a DH when it's all said and done. And I don't know if they got the balls and bravery to do that next year. I wish they did.
1: Man, that that's got me excited right there. Just putting him at DH and finding. Corner outfielders, both in free in free agency, that, that would be awesome. That would show me that okay, like now now we're we're serious about this. That that would be awesome. I think uh, so. Him falling into the net twice that that would be a net negative, but I would think overall he's a net positive. Ah, uh, oh, shut up! Shut up! Really? I I don't think I made that joke early in the season, so I had to get get it off here. But, yeah, I'll uh, I'll give give Eloy a a solid B. The defense was just so embarrassing at times. But I think you saw that what he did in 2019 at the end of the year wasn't a fluke. And you saw that this guy's going to be a big-time run producer for a lot of years for the White Sox. And, unfortunately, availability is a big part of it. Uh, Hurting yourself at the end of the year on a slide when you didn't have to slide and you weren't available – Uh, for for the first two games of that Oakland series, that that means something to me. I I don't like that he's got to get smarter. I don't know about his baseball acumen and the instincts. And you know, just not very fluid in the outfield and not not an incredibly smart base runner. You know, he can be very productive if he just can stay out of his own way and learn his limitations out there. But I give him credit; he is a hard worker and he wants to be better. But I just don't know if it's in the cards for him and. You know that that'll be an interesting discussion for them in the offseason. Like, if th- this World Series, I believe, is there for the taking, if they want to make adjustments and make some acquisitions in, in the corner outfield spots, where they say, Hey, this is an upgrade, and now also we were able to upgrade our DH spot in house, you know, and then. You know, do what you will with it with Andrew Vaughn. Like either wait for Abreu to to sort of fall off the table or whatever. But yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, uh, proposition, which we'll talk about uh, as the off progresses here. But yeah, I give him a solid B, but but could have been an A had he just been there uh, in that last week. Uh, another guy uh, who uh, didn't quite follow up the success he had last year. He hit 225 uh, with a 320. OBP good for a 385 slugging percentage and a 705 OPS he hit just six home runs this year in 231 plate appearances he is a 1.6 win above replacement Yoan Moncada
0: uh, ah Moncada is a tough one but I gotta give Yoan Moncada a C he toughed it out. He had a uh, illness that we're all dealing with now, the COVID-19. He had it early and you could tell he never really 100% fully recovered from that injury or that illness. Um, started the year off nice and hot, hitting a lot of home runs, enjoying being that guy that was gonna be a top 10 MVP voter from an uh, MVP guy the year before and building upon that, but that did not happen. I'll blame that on COVID until I see otherwise. So, Well, you're starting
1: to hear otherwise, those rumors that floated around. And we, oh, don't, we certainly yeah. don't want to uh, perpetuate rumors, but it was out there. Uh, people said, allegedly... That Yon was out there in the region. He was out in Northwest Indiana. He was out there with a lax mask policy, uh, going out to bars and, and shit. When people said he said he had the COVID and he was tired, but people saw him out late at night. That's what's that's the rumor out there. I hey. I, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, so I can't speak to it.
0: Uh, it was after the season, so I'm like, <laughs> I got it, blowing off steam. Yeah, maybe. So I'm fu- I'm not fine with it, but yeah. I'm just gonna grade him on the thing. Yeah. I give him a C. Uh, he could be better I know I expect better from him next year but I'm gonna give him a seat and give him like a pass like your teacher did you were out <laughs> with the thing and you battled through you tried to give us what you had you just weren't 100% and I maybe through fault of his own maybe he's out in Miami doing things before the season and got COVID because of his reckless uh, behavior but <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah, so who knows? I'm give him
1: see. Yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you there. It, I, it's you know this is a really tough one. It, it's hard to to dock a guy a grade when he when he had when he had Rony V when he had the Rona. <laughs> if I get the Rona, um, you know, because we just don't know the the effects. But above all, he just you know didn't really hit like like we thought he was going to, and he he wasn't able to sort of build on that season that he had last year. And again, Rona, all that stuff. Um, you know, 320 isn't bad, but it felt like the power number should have been been up a little bit. Maybe that's a symptom of not having your legs under you. Uh, that's where the power base comes from there. So maybe that's part of it. So, you know, I, I, I would love to even just say incomplete, but, uh, you know, what, what did I say? Did I say C? <laughs> yeah. I, or, yeah. C, I think a solid C, and, and hopefully, you know, I, I hope that, you know, whatever it is with some rest, that that he'll be all right for next year because that that's really a big blow. That was a big blow to them this year not having him at a hundred percent and uh, just really unfortunate all the way around. Uh, next guy here, um, I'll uh, I'll go. He had a point one F uh, four this year in twenty nine games, one hundred nine plate appearances. He hit. 370, 340. Sorry, he hit 340, 376 OBP, 369 slugging, 745 OPS. We found out this guy was playing hurt too. He had shoulder surgery after the season, after his injury in Milwaukee. I'm talking, of course, about another number one pick here, Nick Madrigal.
0: I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna surprisingly. I'm gonna give him a D. Yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> King Mac, and I'm sorry, Zoe.
1: Oh my he god, he
0: is a dumb player. Dumb. <laughs> There's. Uh, All the players that qualified in base running metrics for fan There's only one player with a a lower score, and that's Ben Gamble of the Milwaukee Brewers who played 40 games. Nick Madrigal only played 29, and he's the second lowest in the league in base running metrics. You saw it. And we docked Lurie for getting himself er injured by doing a dumb thing. He did a dumb thing. It was a single to left field. Or left or center field, I think center. The center fielder got the ball. The plays in front of him. There's no way you should be going to third here in Milwaukee. He is out by plenty, and he gets himself injured because he can't slide correctly, and that's how he separates his shoulder. And eventually, has to have shoulder, sh- shoulder surgery at the end of the year. Then when he comes back, more base running gas, just. Not a smart player on the base running, uh, on the base pass. And there's alibis for him. There's people, oh, he's a rookie. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. No, these are little league things. These are fundamental things. It's not being aggressive. And it's not being just scrappy. It's being dumb. If you're not fast enough to get the job done and you're not doing other things, like Eloy, he can do dumb shit. And I can give him an A-. minus because he's hitting ball over the fence, he's bringing his bat to the table. This son bitch is only hitting singles. And I know that's his lot in life, but I can't be grading him on just hitting singles. I don't care. If you're going to be the singles hitter, you got to do everything else right. Everything else right. Base running got to be on ploys. You got to be a great fielder, which he was not this year. You saw in the playoffs, not great. You saw in the regular season, not awesome. So, yeah, a D. He gets, my, he gets my dander up because all these people want to defend him. And if it was somebody else, they would crap on him. But the White Sox draft him third overall. He's been much heralded. So they want to protect him. They want to put their arms around him and shield him from criticism. But no, he's played dumb this year. And, yeah, it's a rookie year. Get better. That's what I say. I give him a D.
1: I I don't know if I can give him a D. Uh, the man still hit 340, um, right out of the shoot. Singles. I, I got you, but still at 340 is just the same, uh, you know. And you played a solid enough defense, but you, again, the the base running and uh, some blunders and key moments there. I, I have to give him a, a solid C uh, for Nick Madrigal this year. You know, you just compare and contrast. I know it's not fair to do that, but you look compare him against Zach Collins, another number one pick. Madrigal looks at least like he belongs you know uh and and maybe some some better coaching can get him to to be smarter i don't know if that's on the on the table at this point because it's a guy who's played college ball uh, and and he's played in in america you know so there's you can't blame it on language or culture like the, you know he should be smarter than what he is and that's i would have given him a b had all things been been equal and had he made smarter plays and and uh, not gotten himself hurt, and you know, and picked up his coaching staff. But I give him a solid C for a three forty hitter, a guy who was on base three seventy six. So as odd as that seems, but just because you see the potential is there, you sort of see what they saw in him. I think they thought there'd be more power numbers. He didn't get that elusive home run in twenty twenty. Maybe he'll get not well, close. Yeah, not even close ever. So I do worry about that big picture. But uh, as far as this year, yes, a solid C, you know, being able to contribute to a contender immediately and, and hit and do everything as advertised, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that counts for something. Um, I'll say we have three guys left here. Um, we'll, we'll go to – we'll we'll pivot around a little bit because I, I think you're wondering why I jumped over. But we'll, we're saving the best for last year and on a positive note. But uh, three three remaining players here. This guy had a 1.7 F war this year. 194 plate appearances. He hit 230 only, but he got on base at a 351 clip. Slugged 422, 773 OPS. Uh, eight home runs this year uh, for the White Sox. He was your big ticket free agent catcher uh, coming over from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he, of course, is Yasmani Grandal. What do you think?
0: I'm going to give Yasmani Grandal a C. Um, it seems weird, but his. What he does well is get on base. We say with the disparity between his batting average and his on base, it's what, 230 uh, as opposed to 351. Congratulations, it's all good. Other than that, we were told he's a good defensive player. No, the fuck, he's not. The 60 games that we had him where he played 46 of them, no, absolutely not. He's a catcher who can't catch. How many times did he drop balls thrown right at him? Right at him. Right at the glove. Just dropped them. Uh, how many times did he have passed balls that they weren't hard? They weren't a cross-up. They were just him not catching the ball, him trying to frame it specially and him dropping the ball many times. Uh, and I can't count all the times he took pitches that are right down the middle. Um. His positives, for me, uh, there's nothing better than when Yasmani knows he got one. And the smoothness <laughs> of his bat drop is just, it just makes me go wild. But if we're talking about Rick Hahn's uh, acquisition offensively uh, this offseason, this is another guy you can pile in there, not with the Fs that we gave uh, Edward Arcanacion and Nomar Mazzara, but... I didn't think he was the guy that we were promised in this 60-game season. He didn't do well this year for me. The number looks right. 1.7 war looks right. And so you can quibble with me a little bit, but I I think that you guys all saw that James McCann was the better catcher, both with the bat and the glove this year, undoubtedly. And that shouldn't be it with your big-ticket free agent, the highest-priced White Sox in history, with the highest priced uh, free agent signing in White Sox history. So, yeah, uh, did I give him a C plus. Yeah, a C or a C plus. It right. doesn't matter. C plus. I'll say C plus.
1: Yeah, I will give him a solid C also, echoing pretty much everything that you were saying. Uh, underwhelmed by him. You know, you, you think maybe they jumped the market on him a little bit, but it was important still, his signing important. That was a signifier. Okay, White Sox now are open for business, and, and we're now being serious uh, about our competitive window. So I think there is value to that, just the signing as an idea, as opposed to what he actually provided for you. And I, I think he does obviously make the lineup better, but I, it's possible that we've seen the best days already from Yasmani Grandal, you know, uh, and those best days probably in a Brewers or a Dodgers uniform. It, 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 you know, he's going to be 32 next year. You know, it's it's possible that he won't ever rebound, and it's just going to look like this. Uh, he does make your lineup better. He does still have a good eye, it has a little pop still left, and ultimately that's a good thing, obviously. But yeah, just you know, kind of underwhelmed, but you know, still, I, I wouldn't say it was a failure, and I, I can't hold, you know, in good conscience give him a D. So I'll give him a solid C. You wanted more, didn't didn't get it, but again, it was a weird year. You know, he had some injuries in spring training. Uh, so who knows how many games he would have played in a 162? So who knows if he was still fighting those injuries when they came back to play? You know I, I don't know what was going on there, but it's it's definitely on the table that you get, you know this is going to be a bad signing in the long term. But if you win a World Series while he's on your roster, I guess it wouldn't be a bad signing. So yeah, that's, that's Yasmani Grandal finally here. Last two guys up in our 2020 position player grades. This guy was just awesome all year. Able to uh, to put another solid season together in 49 games, uh, in 221 plate appearances. This man hit 322, on base 357, slugged 529, good for an 886 OPS. And he hit 10 home runs uh, out of the leadoff spot this year, 2.2 win above replacement player. That's, of course, our shortstop, Tim Anderson.
0: Tim Anderson gets um, what would have been an A for me. If we're just doing the regular season, oh yeah, but we're we're adding the postseason. And Tim Anderson with three hits in each of the games, solid defense. He's our leader. I mean, to Jose Abreu might be the best player on the team, the MVP of the team. Tim is what stirs the drink. He's the straw. So I'm gonna give him an A plus. No one in the league, no one in the league hit against left-handers better than Tim Anderson, and. That's a testament to his work, how he got himself better. And I just, there's not enough praise and kudos that I can give the guy. His defense improved this year, his offense sustained and got better. We, and famously, I said before the season, I didn't think Tim Anderson was a 335 hitter and he couldn't sustain it. He didn't get to that, but he was, you know, a little slump at the end of the year. But the guy, Still, pretty much hit his on base percentage. I mean, he was three twenty two average and is a three fifty seven on base. If he does that, a three sixty on base, I'm in for a leadoff hitter. I didn't think he could be one. He proved me wrong, and he's improved his game every single year he's been in the league. Uh, Just kudos to him. A plus.
1: It's hard to argue with that. I can't say a bad thing about the guy. I'm, I'm holding him to my own standards that I asked him to live up to at the beginning of the year. I said, if he could just provide a little bit more pop out of the top of the order, then you may have something. And that's exactly what he did. And it showed you why they they really missed him when he wasn't there, missing the mm-hmm. uh, the 11 games throughout the year, uh, most of, of, of that early but, yeah, just a solid A in the playoffs. Like, it's, it's it's the hottest A you could possibly have. You know, uh he gets a pizza party and a pasta party, too, at the end of the year because of his so- solid work this year. But, yeah, man, just really encouraging stuff. And you, you figure you have a guy who's going to be the dude for a long time with, with TA. So, yeah, very, very solid A. Uh, an awesome year for Tim Anderson this year. And I just, I love watching him play, man. It's just, it's a different team when he's out there. I love his energy and everything he brings. And I, I think. Yeah, you have your leadoff hitter right there unless you have a guy in right field that wants to come over with A.J. Hinch. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, we'll get to that later, though. Uh, wrapping it up here, you know, he's hashtag MVP to 2.6 F war this year in all 60 games. We talked about maybe that was a detriment in the long term, but uh, he hit 317. 370 OBP, 617 slugging, good for 987 OPS, of course, with the 19 home runs in a 60-game season. Could be the MVP of the American League, Jose Abreu.
0: um, Of course, this is going to be an A+. He is ridiculous. Not only did he improve his offense tenfold, he became the player he was in his rookie year and more. But his defense went from a guy that was a liability on the field, the second-worst defensive run-save first baseman in the whole major leagues, the second-worst, to being a top-10, well, actually top-six defensive run-save guy in the league behind Evan White, Carl Santana, Matt Matt Olson, with four defensive runs saved this year for the White Sox at first baseman. You can see the improvement. Like He worked on this stuff, worked on his limber uh, limber ability, and maybe he's doing yoga and some stretching. The guy was out there flashing leather and saving the White Sox uh, with some hard shots down the line, and he was just gloving it. He was being uh, a guy that we hadn't seen at first base this whole career, but with the bat. I'm a guy that maybe not believe in clutch, maybe not believe in RBIs being a good evaluator of a guy's talent, but 60 games, 60 RBI. That's largely based on the guys getting in front of them, but also you got to give him credit. There's people on base, and there was usually two outs or something where a guy out, got out in front of him, and Jose picked up his teammates and got the job done. Every single time. Really, uh, I mean, I guess the playoffs are an outlier where he ground to a double play when we needed him right there, uh, I think late in the game in Game 3. But during the regular season, nobody, and I mean nobody, in the league was more, quote-unquote, clutch than Jose Abreu and came through for his team. I expect him to be a top-three finisher in the MVP if not winning it all outright and he gets an A-plus from me, uh, he proved me wrong. He, Him and Timmy proved me wrong big time. I'll take L's all day long on guys who proved me wrong. The guys today that I gave S to, come on. Prove me wrong <laughs> next year, Mo- <laughs> Nomar Mazar. Be, be like my guy, Jose Abreu, who a guy I said was going to be a mistake if they signed him back to this deal. And he's like, no, not only am I going to prove you wrong, I'm going to prove the rest of the league wrong because the disrespect is thick. And I can't stand it. I've been one of the best players in the league for the time I've been in here. Give me my goddamn respect. A plus.
1: Agreed. Hardest A you could possibly get to him and Ta. Uh, you know, just making the whole thing go all year, man, and le- leading by example is so important. And getting better somehow. An age thirty three season. He'll be thirty four next year. I just you can't say enough about this guy, man. Just the the commitment to excellence every day. You know outworking everyone, you know, now because he, he has to now because he's getting up there in age, but still the guy that I want there with with runners on base no matter what, even you know, regardless of what he did in that Oakland series, that's still the guy you want up there late in the game in a big spot and I don't anticipate that changing and you know, it just goes to show you in this game, man, this things can surprise you all the time and I don't think any of us had Jose Pegg for for this strong of a season. Certainly playing all 60 games, and I do think there is a knack to being a run producer. So I, I do weigh the RBI total heavily when, when you're talking about a guy like him because he does have that great approach, shortening the stroke a little bit, going the opposite field with power, with authority when he needs to. Yeah, man, I just, I just can't say enough about him. And, uh, you know, I, I'm happy he's here. I'm happy they re signed him. And I, I really hope they can finish the job next year and get him a ring, man, because he deserves it. So. Yeah, that that about does it for us with the uh, 2020 position player grades. I don't think there's many surprises in there when you when you look back at all of it, but certainly you can kind of see why the Sox finished where they did. But yeah, it was hopefully we those Fs that we handed out this year. We'll, we'll never have to do that again. Hopefully there's no summer school, and uh, you know just listen to that Wu Tang double CD, and that's all this summer school you need this year. You know what I mean? So uh, that that's all I got uh, for the starting nine edition.
0: I know Nick Magical's parents are pissed at me for sending. <laughs> That oh, D yeah. back home with him. Maybe <laughs> he's going to be having a parent-teacher conference with me soon. But hey, tell your kid to get better. So I, I would
1: Dan- love, I would love a, a parent-teacher conference with you as a teacher. Ah, uh, hey, uh, Mr. Mrs. Madrigal, your son ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, you should have told him how to run.
1: <laughs> wow, there you go. That's a herb doing a herb here. You can, these are things you get on Locked On White Sox. That's all.
0: Exception. All right. So that's Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Hector Wall 23. You heard our Locked on Socks mailbag Monday episode yesterday. If you want to participate in the next one, it is lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Locked socks at gmail.com. Questions, comments. We read them all. Not all of them make it to the episode. So follow the show at Locked on Socks, both on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm Herb Lawrence again. Thank you for listening to our Starting Nine edition of Locked on Socks.